Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Dear Graham with your hosts, Amelia and Adam. I'm Amelia. I'm Adam. And today we're going to talk about, Adam says, the 1984, he says it's a cult classic, Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire, Uh, a movie entirely built around the premise that they would get Bruce Springsteen's song, (laughs) Streets of Fire, (laughs) to be in the movie, and then they didn't get it. But they didn't change the name. Didn't change the name. It's a good name. And he didn't take the name back from them. Yeah, I don't know why. It feels like he probably should have. He probably should have sued. Basically, this movie is Meatloaf's songwriter, Jim Steinman, uh, bringing all of his his B material, his his material that wasn't good enough for Meatloaf, (laughs) uh, and, and putting it into a movie that doesn't really make sense. At all. At all. Yeah, it takes place in some kind of either very distant future or not so long ago past where it's like 1950, but also like 1920, and also it's the 80s. Yes, and it, can I say the opening screen? Oh, yeah, it's a, yeah, go ahead. Yes, the opening screen, it's a black screen, and it says... I forget what it's A rock and roll. <laughs> it says it's a rock and roll fable. And it doesn't really make sense. Also, I wouldn't really call 1980s pop rock and roll. Yeah, it's very 1980s pop. There's a lot of 1980s pop. Can I have some of your Coke? Yeah. Thank you. I think you should give a synopsis of the film. Sure. So, uh, Michael Pere, the actor, plays something Cody forget what his first name is. Probably Bruce. It's Probably, not Bruce. It's not Bruce, but it might as well be. Jack. They just call him Cody the whole time. It's something one syllable like and one like syllable. masculine. Yeah, I don't know. But, anyway, if you've never seen Michael Pere, um, he's like the worst looking leading man in the history of Hollywood. And he makes up for it with a total lack of acting talent. <laughs> he's not bad looking. But the camera lingers on him. Yeah, as because he, he can't is. act, because he can't say words. <laughs> so they just do a lot of like cuts to his face. And like they'll just he'll stare at people. He has his, a very his, funny mustache. His line delivery is so robotic. Do it, do an example. Do you want me to do an example? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember any lines from the movie. Just say something at random. Why do I have to do it? You're the one who Well, you've seen the movie more it. than me. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to do anything. Okay. Anyway. I'll do one. Okay. Baby, we were born to run. How was that? That was just Bruce Springsteen talking. He wouldn't say his own lines. Oh, he 100% would say his own lines. Do you think? Yeah, Do you think when he was picking chicks up in the 70s, he just said his own lines to them? Yes. Do you think that's how he he workshopped songs? Yes. 100%. (laughs) And Jim Steinman was right behind him saying, can I turn this into a meatloaf song? (laughs) And if it wasn't good You're sweating buckets and it's not even hot. That's a line from a song in the movie. Yeah. Okay, let us continue the synopsis. Yeah, okay. So basically, he's some kind of drifter with like, he, he's like a Liam Neeson-esque drifter who has a particular set of skills. And basically, he, he's just like a gun for hire, basically. What are his skills? Uh, he, he doesn't do the driving. He can't be killed. Oh, okay. He can't be killed is his number one skill. And also he can grab knives from people's hands. I don't remember that That's established all. very early on. He walks, his sister's, oh, so 
Um, Diane Lane plays his ex-girlfriend and a like rock star from this like town that's Chicago maybe, or is it, you know, she's a pop star. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. She's something (laughs) she's famous and she's playing this like dive bar kind of place. Yes. But it's also a very large club. Yes. (laughs) Because nothing is what you think it is. It's very Um, dirty. Everything's very dirty. Yes. Like not, not like, like it needs to be washed. Yes. And (laughs) she is kidnapped by, um, the Green Goblin from the original Spider-Man trilogy. Willem Dafoe. Set. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. Nice. Thank you. The ori- yeah. Anyway, um, he looks super creepy in this. Uh, he looks like he always looks because Willem Dafoe kind of just has a good face to play a bad guy. He's a good actor. Yeah. He's good. No, he's all right in this movie. <laughs> he's, he, yeah, he's one of the only people who's okay in this movie. Um, so Willem Dafoe kidnaps her. He's part of a biker gang. Um, <laughs> they take her back to this like bad part of town. This town has got to be like mild, just massive because at varying points, they'll like leave one part of town and it'll be day. And then they'll arrive in a different part of town and it'll be night. And then I have a theory that it's always night in the bad part of town and it's always day in the good part of town. So maybe the bad part of town is like very far North and it's the winter. I think you're assigning too much thought to this movie. <laughs> I think that they didn't assign any thought yeah, that's, yeah, to think, whether it was daytime right or nighttime. In that moment, you assigned more thought to this than the cinematographer. So they're in the bad part of town. Well, they're in, yeah, they're in, no, they're in the good part of town. <laughs> and then Michael Perret comes in and you know demonstrates his knife slapping skills to show you that he's he's good at that. And then he takes some money from Rick Moranis, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Rick Moranis to go and rescue his ex-girlfriend, who is Rick Moranis' current girlfriend, Diane Lane. <laughs> and he goes to the, the bad part of town, and he and his crew, which includes a, a random person that he got at the bar. Um, yes. Whose name I do not remember. I don't, they very rarely call her by her real name. Yeah. And she also, can I jump in about her? Sure. She has a very interesting backstory that they tell you by saying, wow, my backstory is interesting. Mm-hmm. And they never tell you anything about it. She'll just be like, yeah, in the war, I drove a lot of tanks for money, you know, or yeah. like. I had an abusive ex-boyfriend, but I wouldn't let him get away with that now that I've been in the army. Yeah. And she doesn't even say that. She like just hints at like, yeah, that was then and this is now. And he, you know, he wouldn't dare or like, and and she keeps making a real big deal about how she's not attracted to the main character. Oh, yeah. Several times. I think she's overcompensating. I think that they're just making a big deal about how attractive the writers think oh, Michael yeah. Perea is. My God, can you believe this woman must be gay? I think that's the undertext. Google the Michael Perea and just see what he looks like. Yeah. Um, so they go to the bad part of town. They bring Rick Moranis along because he's from that area. But really, they just bring them bring them along so they can have Rick Moranis, you know, crack some some lines in there, crack some jokes. And he's very mean to the woman who is ex-military. He's mean to everyone. He's mean to everyone. But her, like he 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 calls her the skirt all the time. Oh yeah, I ain't coming at the skirts coming. Listen, Butch, when I say goes, you yeah, know, he's not, yeah, he sucks. There are some yeah, there are some bad things in this movie yeah um certainly so soundtracks all right yeah all right we're seven we're eight minutes into the podcast and about 15 minutes into the movie yeah 
So they go and they get back Diane Lane and then they have to bring Diane Lane back to the good part of town. And there's a lot of scenes where Michael Pere is like, you know, Diane Lane, you and I, we were in love in a way that I've never been in love before. And now I'm not in love with anyone. I'm just in it for the money. I'm doing this for the money. Mm-hmm. And then Rick Moranis will be like, yeah, I love you. He just wants the money. And that's smart of him. But I'm good. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's not good. No. But neither is Michael Perea, honestly. Yeah. Everyone sucks. Yeah. Oh, also, um, interspersed are lots of motorcycles blowing up. Oh, yeah. Man, they just blow up motorcycles. like That's what the whole budget went to. Yes. And Michael Perea shoots a shotgun from, like, miles away. Very accurate shot. Very accurate. And when he hits a motorcycle, it blows up just spectacularly. Yeah. It's pretty fun. It's fun. Yeah, so then they're back in the good part of town. Yeah. Also, don't forget, interspersed are lots of music videos. Oh, yeah. It's the 80s, and they clearly intended to have this movie be all over um, MTV. Yeah. Or VH1. I don't know if VH1 was a thing. And the color scheme is red and black. Oh, yeah. It's super... The color scheme is, like, in in various parts of town, it, like, changes a little bit. Like, in the, there's, like, a neon part of town. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, you, you were kind of dozing during that part. Some of it was boring. <laughs> Some of it is boring. There's a lot, just a lot of shots of them, like, driving. Like, how big is this town? It's It's, like, the whole North American continent. But anyway, can we talk about the... Fight at the end. So Willem Dafoe, because sure. I don't think there's much more in the middle that's important. Yeah, I just want to talk about the cops for a second. Oh, there's some cops. There's some cops. But, like, they don't... Everyone knows Diane Lane has been kidnapped, and everyone knows where she has been taken. But none of the cops do anything about it. Yeah, and there's, like, two different sections of cops. Like, the cops in the good part of town are good guys, yep. and they do not go into the bad part of town. No, why would they? And the cops in the bad part of town are bad guys. Yep. And they are all bought off by Willem Dafoe's motorcycle gang. And they also hate the cops in the good part of town. It's like two separate countries. It's very strange. With their militaries, but their militaries don't want to interact. Yeah. The militaries being the cops. Very ineffective. Sure. Very ineffective. So then at the end, the, I don't know, some cop, something. Oh, and then, um, yes, and they've gotten Diane Lane back. From Willem Dafoe. Yeah. And everybody knows that Willem Dafoe kidnapped Diane Lane and was being real rapey about it and yucky. And they're all like, boy, oh boy, I know exactly where he is, but he better not come here because we'll really give it to him. But Willem Dafoe wants to fight um, Cody. Cody, who's Michael Michael Perea, three on one. He goes, I'll make it real fair. I'll only bring two of your two of my guys and you come by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things in this movie that just don't make sense. But everyone pretends like they do. It's pretty fun. Yes. And then the cop in the good part of town goes, Cody, you take the girl and you get out of town. When he comes tomorrow morning, we'll be waiting for him with a lot of guns. And so the cops are just, you know, barricading the street with assault weapons. Also, there's only like six cops. Yeah. His definition of a lot of guns is like, him and five friends. Yeah. So then Michael Perea. Oh, we should have said this move. This is going to be nothing but spoilers. So if you don't want this. Oh, 19... we're, we're way past that. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, we should mention. We haven't gotten quite to the end yet. Okay. So this 1985 movie, if you haven't seen it yet, expect a lot of spoilers. So anyway, Cody and the woman who was in the military get on the train with Diane Lane. 
Cody doesn't want to get off the train. So the woman who was in the military, like, pins her arms behind her back so that Cody can punch her in the face. Oh, yeah, that... To knock her out. That's not okay. So that she can't get off the train. Yeah, I forgot. Because he loves her. So I watched this movie when I was a kid. And I liked it when I was a kid. And as I'm watching it here with Amelia, I saw that scene coming and I said, oh, no, out loud, because I forgot about that. And that's not okay. Yeah. Why did they think that was okay? It's not even necessary in the context of the movie, because he... Cody can just say, I'm getting off here. You're going to keep going and then just get off because Um, the other person was in the military. Like she is probably very fit. She can just hold Diane Lane. Mm -hmm. She can just hold her. Yeah. She can just literally like, you don't need to punch her in the face or they can like explain like she's a real person. Use your words. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so no big deal. He just punches her in the face to knock her out and he goes back. And in the meantime, Willem Dafoe has come and met the eight cops. Yeah. With and with Willem Dafoe's two friends. So then Willem Dafoe calls <laughs> the entire motorcycle gang of like 100 people. Who are around the corner and no one heard them coming <laughs> or knows that they're there. Uh-huh. It's pretty fun. And <laughs> where did they get all those motorcycles? Because they just blew them all up. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Because Cody, whenever he goes and rescues Diane Lane, makes a big point about how he's blowing up as many motorcycles as he can. Yeah. And then the next day... It's like he didn't shoot any. Yeah, it's like a Simpsons episode. The next yeah. week, everything's, everything's back how it was. Exactly. So then the good guys, the, um, sorry, I just yelled in Adam's ear. The good guys, the person, like the bartender. Oh, yeah, the bartender played by Bill Paxton. I don't know who that is. He's in a lot of stuff. He just died recently. Oh. R.I.P. Bill R. I. P. Paxton. Cook Often part. confused with Bill Pullman. I don't know either of those people. Bill Pullman is the president in Independence Day. I didn't see that movie. You've never seen it? Let's move on. I've seen Independence Day. Okay. I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so Bill Pullman runs down the street. He goes, they're here! They're here! Yeah. And then all the good guys come out with their guns. Just random citizens. Yes. They come out from, like, the apartments. It's very much like a citizen should rise up and defend their city streets thing, I think. Uh, yes. Second Amendment, man. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't love that. That's what that... Freaking. Anyway. Everyone in this town has a gun. It's a well-armed militia, except the police. (laughs) Except the police. Gosh. Okay. And anyway, so then Cody comes back, and then Cody and Willem Dafoe have the funniest fist fight. Yeah. Oh, they have, they fight with, like, scythes or something? Yeah, they they fight with hammers? Yes. Sledgehammers. They fight with sledgehammers. Yes, they fight with sledgehammers. And it's a lot of just, like them like hitting the middle part of the sledgehammer together because if you get hit with a sledgehammer like that's it so for the purposes of this fight they have to constantly have people get hit by the wooden side yes and the choreography is just so funny because Willem Dafoe is very good at grimacing oh he's very good so it's like in a sword fight you know when the one person is pushing the sword toward the other push it person Mm -hmm. only it's only the wooden handle of yep the sledge so like if it touches you yep it's just like a broomstick yep you know you're like it, fine yeah and then there's a lot of like they'll take a big swing and hit a car yes so that the metal will dent and it looks cool but like nobody was actually hit yes and the filming i swear there's like eight cuts per swing yeah and then eventually they drop the the sledgehammers and start fighting with their fists yeah because cody, cody. knocks the sledgehammer out of his hand 
out of Willem Dafoe's hand. Yeah. And is like holding it above his head like he's going to bash his head in. And then he does it and he drops it. He just it. puts it down. And then they start fighting. And there's a weird musical cut there where it changes to like almost comedy music. I don't I know if you noticed that. that. Yeah, no. it's very, it's like very, very dramatic. Um, so. Anyway, then, Cody wins. Yeah, they fight with their fists. The, he wins by punching him one time in the face. And when he punches him, it shows four different punches. Like it shows yes. one punch and they're all like similar. It's four different takes of the same punch. And but they, they just, didn't do a good job making them the yeah, same. <laughs> they just play it four. It's like punch one, cut, punch, punch two, same punch, uh -huh. cut four times. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, you know, Willem Dafoe stands there and Cody walks over and puts his hand on his head, just pushes them over. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end, Cody and uh, Diane Lane do not get together. Yeah. And Cody says, baby, I was born to run all by myself and you're not invited. And then he talks to, honey, I shrunk the kids. Rick Moranis. Yeah. And he says, tell her to forget about me. And Rick Moranis says, but she loves you. And he says, yeah, she loves me, but she needs you. And anyway, I'm leaving. Peace. And then he leaves. And then he leaves. And then they have a big concert at the end where um, the acapella band that we hadn't mentioned. Oh, yeah, we haven't mentioned them. There's a there's like a vocal group um, that they kidnap at one point. Yes, they kidnap them so that they can take their bus. And they're very tight, you know, barbershop quartet harmonies. Yeah. But it, it's very it's fine that they kidnap them because they let them be the opening act at their concert. Diane Lane's concert, Diane yes. Lane's concert. Um, and they they perform um, a song and in that song only one person sings and there are four people on stage and the other three just dance. And sometimes they lip sync when nobody is singing but the main person. Yep. And the song is I can dream don't have the rights. about you. Still don't have the rights. It doesn't matter if I sing it. I can dream about and anyway that song gets radio play and it's not the best song in the movie now, there's several good the movie has very many flaws <laughs> very very many flaws <laughs> yes um that I saw through adult eyes for the first time um, <laughs> you haven't seen it as an adult yet I don't know maybe not that's funny but I saw through adult eyes for the first time but Still fun. Yes. And then um, Diane Lane sings her song, and she frequently lip syncs the wrong part. Yep. Pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty good. And yep. then the movie's over. And then the movie's over. So we got a minute and a half left on this podcast, Adam. Do we recommend this movie to Graham? I think maybe no. I mean, no, I don't <laughs> think Graham would like it. Um, yeah. It look, at the, look up the soundtrack on YouTube. Yes. Definitely oh, my gosh. That. It has some bangers. Two bangers. Two and a half bangers. What's the half? I can drink. The, that one. Oh, I don't think that's yeah. a good one. No, that's, that's but a, the that's other bangers are, for anybody who's listening who's not grand, because I already played them for grand, are Tonight is What It Means to Be Young and Nowhere Fast. Yeah. Very good. Very good bad 80s, songs. 80s pop that just kind of gets in your head and doesn't leave. And they are each about 10 minutes They're long. They're so <laughs> unnecessarily long. Um, yeah, so I think probably not uh, not for Graham, but no. <laughs> but but let's all rest in the knowledge that this movie was made. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah. I, I think that's yeah. This is just a movie. Yes, it is a movie that exists. <laughs> yes, Willem Dafoe is making a lot of fun faces. Should be a lot of gifts of Willem Dafoe's faces. I never wished that I was not watching the movie when I was watching the movie. Yeah, I frequently wished that I was maybe watching a slightly 
better version of this movie. There have been movies that have come out since this movie that have made it unnecessary to watch this movie because other movies exist. We can't get into that, though. I would like to know because our time is up because we got a 20-minute 